How are you this morning? Good? Awesome. That's what I love to hear. Uh, if you missed the welcome, my name is Alex, and I get to be part of the pastoral leadership team here at the Vine Church. And I am thankful to have this opportunity to, to kind of fill in this morning and to be able to share God's Word with you and to be able to share this message that He's put on my heart as we kind of wrap up this series called It's His Year. I don't know if you've caught all the rest of the, the series throughout the month of January, but it has been really incredible. I have enjoyed it. I have gotten a lot out of it, and I am thankful just to be able to kind of hopefully put a good, beautiful bow on top of it uh, for you and for myself as we move in uh, to February and start a new series next week. But I am thankful for this opportunity, and if I haven't met you, and I'd love to to meet you after the service, or if you're online, email us at hello at thevine.tv, and I would love to personally respond and answer any questions that you may have, and just to introduce myself, and also to pray with you in whatever way that I possibly can. But I'm ready to dive in this morning, and I pray that God will bless this time that we have, and I believe wholeheartedly that He will, and I believe that His Word will do something incredible this morning that He's put on my heart. But I want to start by just asking, can you believe that we are 31 days into 2021 already? It seems like we just flipped the calendar this past week, but yet we're several or a few weeks, a little more, into the year. 31 days have already gone by. Can you believe it? My, how fast time truly does fly, right? Because it seems like yesterday we were starting 2020 which, you know, 2020 is kind of a, a name or a word you don't really want to reference that much because it brings up a lot of bad feelings and bad thoughts for a lot of people. And 2020 was a, definitely a tough year, and I think that every one of us can say that at some time or another we were kind of ready for 2020 to be over because it was such a difficult year. It was such a hard time, and we were ready to have a fresh start. A new beginning, right? We were ready for 2021 to get here so that things could be better. We wanted to hit that reset button on what 2020 brought and all the mess that it left behind. We wanted to start over, and that's one of the great things about starting a new year, right? Is that it kind of gives you that opportunity to have a new beginning. Maybe you can have a do-over or a restart. You can step into a new season. Maybe whatever happened in 2020, you want to forget and you want to leave behind. So you come into 2021 hopeful, and you, you hope for new opportunities, new beginnings, and new seasons. And I believe that a lot of us, if not all of us, at some time or another, feel like we're in need of that restart moment. Like, hey, can I have a do-over? Can I have another chance to do better than I did before. And that's what 2020, if you have never really felt like, oh, no, my life was great, 2020 probably shook you up a little bit. At least during part of that year, you probably had some uncertainty and some difficult times, and you want a chance now to move forward from what happened last year. And whatever we do, we set, we set goals, right? And so every year we do this thing at the beginning of the year, where we make these resolutions, right? We make these plans, these goals that we set forward for ourselves, 
Because we want this year to be better than it ever has been. We want to do things better than we ever have. And so we make resolutions. Let me ask you this. Who made resolutions for 2021? Show of hands. Did you make any resolutions? Were you scared to make resolutions for 2021? Right? So let me ask you this. Who made resolutions for 2020? Okay. All right. Who kept their resolution all the way through 2020? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, kind of, sort of, partially. You know, a lot of the times at the beginning of the year, we make these commitments to do something. Maybe it's we want to better ourselves, like we want to take better care of ourselves, so we choose that we're going to eat better. We're going to eat healthier. Maybe we're going to work out or exercise a little bit, or maybe more than we have been because we want to better ourselves. Maybe you want to get a job. Maybe you don't have a job and you want to get a job, and that's your resolution for this year. I commit to getting a job. Or maybe you want to do better at the job that you have. Or maybe you just want a better job altogether. But the goal of these resolutions and these commitments are committing to do better, to be better, to grow, to change, to improve, to make a difference, right? But have you ever made the same resolution multiple years, maybe back to back? or multiple years within a time span? Have you ever done that? Chances are you may have made those same resolutions over and over again because maybe you didn't keep it the year before. You failed, right? Maybe by the summertime you were like, ah, this is too hard, it's just not working out. I'm just going to you know, give up this year. I'll try again next year when the new year comes around. But when we fail to keep those commitments, we look for that next season, that next opportunity to restart, to do something different. And maybe your walk with Jesus feels like that. Or maybe your attempt to walk with Jesus feels like that. Maybe you're someone who has put your faith in Christ. You are a Christian. You believe that Jesus is who he says he is. You believe he lived the perfect life, died the death on the cross, and rose from the grave. And maybe you've made commitments to him to do better, to live better, to love people better, to follow him more closely, but maybe you failed, like all of us have. Maybe you're someone who does not believe in Jesus. You don't think he is who he says he is. You don't really know a whole lot about him, but you say, hey, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to put the pieces back in place, and then... And then I'll come to church and I'll listen to this Jesus thing and see what Jesus is all about. Either way, you don't ever get to that point where you're like, I've got my life together. Because you keep messing up. You make these commitments, but you fail to hold on to them. And a lot of people will end up avoiding the Bible They'll end up avoiding church. They'll end up avoiding conversations about Jesus because all it does is remind them of their failures, that they're not perfect, that they can't live up to this standard that seems to be set, that they, ha they feel like they have to meet. And so they avoid going to church or conversations altogether because it brings up shame and regret, right? It brings up our past mistakes but one thing that I love about the Bible, because a lot of people look at it as, oh, it's just a, a huge rule book, a huge law book, and I, there's no way I can keep all of those. You're right. You can't. I can't. 
But the thing I love about the Bible is the fact that listed in here are a bunch of imperfect people who at one time or another in their lives, except for one guy, and his name is Jesus, that sometime in their lives, they messed up. They needed a restart, a do-over, a new season to begin because they had made commitments that they couldn't keep. And there's a whole list of people that we could talk about, but I want to talk about one in particular today. And his name's Peter. Most everybody has heard of Peter. Simon Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ when he was doing ministry here on this earth. And so Peter is recognized a lot for how he speaks out. He's kind of, and maybe you know that person in your life that speaks sometimes before they think. They're the first one to speak up in a group or in a crowd. But Peter is one who sets examples of how to not only just talk the talk when it comes to following Jesus, but he walks the walk as well. And I want to look at some snapshots of his life and some things that he did, and I want us to see what Peter does that kind of sets a good example and sets the bar for us as Christians. So if you're following with us and you have your Bible and you want to go to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14 is what we're going to look at first, starting at verse 22. Now I'm going to go ahead and give you the, the, you know, the spoiler for what happens here. Peter actually walks on water. And in verse 22 it says this, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, verse 23, After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. I want to stop for just a moment and say that the disciples were with Jesus day in and day out. Like they would recognize who Jesus was. But in the midst of this storm that they found themselves, at this time in the, in the circumstances they were in, they didn't recognize Jesus because they didn't expect him to be there with them. How many times have you found yourself in that same situation? Where in life you've been going through a hard time and you just did not expect Jesus to show up. You just did not think that he was there with you, that you were walking through this alone. And a lot of times we see people, we see things, and we don't recognize that it's Jesus there with us in the midst. And like the disciples, we cry out thinking that it's something completely different. But verse 27 I want you to underline, highlight, remember this third word. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. You see, Jesus didn't wait for them to finally recognize who he was. No, in the midst of their fear and their doubt and their worry, he immediately calmed them. He immediately spoke to them to get them to relax and to take courage not be afraid. Verse 28 says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Pretty bold move, pretty bold statement. Verse 29, 
Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've never seen anybody actually walk on the water. And before this, I don't know that there was ever anybody who ever did. But Peter, an ordinary man, just like you and I, an ordinary human being, walked on water. In the midst of this craziness, this storm that was around them, he was doing a miracle. Something that nobody else outside of Jesus who was standing there doing the same thing had ever done. None of the other disciples spoke up and said, hey, call me out of the boat. But in the midst of what was going on, in the circumstances they were in, Peter was walking on the water. And it says that he came toward Jesus. You see, that's the key. He was fixated on Christ. That's where he was going. That's where his focal point was. So he was able to perform and do something no one else was willing or able to do. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. You see, that right there illustrates that as soon as we take our eyes off of Jesus and we look at the circumstances around us, then we will begin to sink. Because only in Christ can we do things that are impossible. Only in Christ can we do things that no one else has ever done or could do on their own. It is only when our focus is on Jesus. Because as soon as we look at the world around us instead of Christ, we're going to be sinking in fear, anxiety, right? We're going to have problems, stress and doubt and worries are going to overwhelm us. And like Peter, we are going to sink. But even Peter, in that moment, he cries out, Lord, save me. Verse 31, here it is again. Underline it, highlight it, remember it. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He didn't wait on Peter to recognize he was wrong, that he shouldn't have took his eyes off of Jesus. He didn't wait for Peter to learn his lesson or to try and climb his way back out of the water onto the top. No, immediately when Peter cried out, Jesus rescued him. You see, that's how it is for us in our lives. As soon as we cry out, as soon as we call to him, he is there to reach out his hand and to catch us, to pull us up and to remind us that he will never leave or forsake us. And then it goes on and it says, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Then if we jump ahead a couple chapters to Matthew 16. So we see Peter walking the walk. Well, now we're going to see and read Peter talking the talk. Because in verse 16, Jesus is asking the disciples who they think he is. And in verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of God of the living God. You see, Peter could talk the talk. Peter could walk the walk. He proved both in what he said, how he spoke, and how he lived his life that he had faith in Christ. And at that moment, Peter looks like the Christian that we all want to be. You see, Peter is proving his faith. He's living it out. He's not just saying, hey, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and then going and doing other things that necessarily should not be. But rather, he is speaking it, and he is living it out. 
Then we see, we're going to jump ahead of several chapters to Matthew 26. And Peter's going to make a commitment to Jesus. So Peter's been living this life and this ministry right there with Christ day in and day out for nearly three years. This is the night before Jesus will be arrested and before he'll be beaten and falsely accused. So we're going to pick up in Matthew 26, verse 31. And it says this, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And here comes Peter, speaking up sometimes when he shouldn't. Verse 33, Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Verse 34, Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Here he goes again. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Pride is a very, very dangerous thing. Very dangerous because here we have Jesus, the one that Peter has already professed as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, who he's been with for three years, day in, day out. And he questions him. He says, no, Jesus, you're wrong. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to run away. I will even die with you. And he says that to Jesus. How many times have we tried to tell Jesus that he was wrong about our life? How many times have we said, no, no, Jesus, it's okay. I can have a couple of drinks. It's fine. I'll be able to cut myself off. It's okay. I've got this under control. How many times have we said, no, no, Jesus, I'll stop by the party for just a few minutes just to say, hey, and then I'm out of there. I'm not going to stick around. How many times have we said, no, no, Jesus, I can get on social media and avoid all the things I need to, not look at the, the profiles I shouldn't be. No, no, Jesus, I've got this under control. Jealousy, sin, it won't get me. I've got this. It's okay. How many times have we tried to tell Jesus, just like Peter, that we knew better than he did or better than he does? Because if we jump ahead, fast forward in Matthew 26 to verse 69, let's see how it works out for Peter. And it says, Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. You see, Peter gets more adamant the more he begins to deny and the more he begins to reject. Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Have you ever been there? You ever been there in that moment where you realize, I did it again. I did it again. I told Jesus I wouldn't do this, and here I am. 
I let him down. I broke and failed to keep my commitment that I had made again. Because the thing I want to point out here is that it says that Peter goes outside and not just weeps, but he weeps bitterly because he realized what he had done and who he had done it to. You see, Peter is in this moment where he needs a restart. He needs a fresh beginning. He needs a chance to redo and to do better. Because not only had he just denied Jesus three times that he knew him, but earlier he had questioned what Jesus said, and he didn't believe in what he was telling him. You see, Peter had broken his commitment that he would stand by Jesus no matter what. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been there in my life. More times than I could count, more times than I want to say I have. But the great thing is that the story doesn't stop right here with Peter. That's not the end of the story. And the story doesn't stop right there with us either. Because the great thing is, we talked about at the beginning of this message about making resolutions. And that they are commitments that we make and set forth to do better and to be better. But resolution actually has a second definition, and it is the act of solving a problem, dispute, or contentious matter. So a resolution is also to find resolve and to fix something. Maybe putting something back together, like the pieces of the broken commitments that we've made, or the pieces of our life that we hold in our hands that are shattered by the mistakes, the sins, the regrets that we've made time and time again, even though we said we wouldn't. Now I want to jump to John chapter 21. This is following everything that we just covered, and this is following what we just talked about. Jesus has been arrested. He's already gone to the cross. He's already defeated sin and death through his resurrection. But, but, let's see what the disciples are up to, in particular Peter. Verse 1 says, Afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. You see, Simon Peter was a fisherman before Jesus called him to follow him into ministry. So Peter had returned because of his failures and mistakes back to what he did before he knew Jesus. Before he had a relationship with Christ. Because he thought that that's as good as it got for him. That he couldn't follow Jesus and keep to his commitment, so I'll just go back to doing what I've done all my life. How many times have we been there? We failed to keep our promises to Christ, and we just go back to the life we were living before Jesus called us out of that. And I want you to pay attention to what happens here. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. You see, our life before Christ results in absolutely nothing. Our life before Christ produces no fruit. Nothing good comes of it. It is only in Christ that we actually have fruit that is lasting, fruit that is good. And then in verse 4, it says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize or realize that it was Jesus. Here they are again. 
They had lived with Jesus day in and day out for three years. But at the sight of seeing him, they didn't notice. They didn't recognize who he was. That happens to us, right? We're blinded by our sin, by our mistake, by our pride, whatever it may be. We don't think Jesus is going to be there because we have screwed up too many times. But yet, Jesus is right there. And Jesus is right there with each and every one of us, no matter how many times we fail to keep our commitments to him. And it says, he called out to them, and I love this, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Basically, when they do this, they realize that's Jesus on the shore. Peter actually jumps out of the boat before they can haul everything in and swims back to shore to see Jesus. And then the rest of the disciples that were with him, they, they load the boat, they come in, and they have breakfast together. And we pick up in verse 15, and it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three. How many times did Jesus ask Peter if he loved him? Three. You see, Peter had taken what he felt like were gigantic unsurmountable steps back from Jesus, that he had put such a gap between him and Christ because of his failures that there was no way he could ever come back, that he would ever make it back to a relationship with Jesus. But what we see here, Jesus equivalently makes up that gap, and he closes it by asking Peter, do you love me? Three times. You see, what this shows us is that where we fall short and when we think we've separated ourselves too far, all we have to do is look up, and Jesus is right there. We may not recognize him because we're afraid, because we're doubtful, but Jesus is right there. Where we fail, Jesus picks up the broken pieces. You see, we talk about this series calling it, It's His Year. But in order for it to be his year, it has to begin with your life being his. It has to begin with your life being surrendered to him. And you know the crazy thing is, that doesn't happen with perfect pieces. You know, a lot of people and a lot of times we think that, you know, in order for Jesus to love me, I've really got to make myself look good. I've really got to get it all together, and then I can present something beautiful to Jesus. But the great thing is that surrender to Christ actually begins with a handful of broken pieces that are laid at his feet that only he can ever put back together. And those broken pieces are our lives. The brokenness that we've gone through, the brokenness that we've had from day one being separated from God because of sin, 
That's where healing begins. That's where life begins for us. It begins when we surrender to the only one who can ever put them back together. You see, having Jesus as our resolution is not making a commitment that we're going to follow him more closely or that we're going to do better. But it's simply that he is the only one and acknowledging he is the only one that can put our broken pieces back together. He's the only one who can fix what we've broken. He's the only one who can make something new out of something that is dead. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Colossians 2.10 says, And in him you have been made complete. Apart from him you can do absolutely nothing, but in Christ you can be made whole. The brokenness in your life can be fixed and restored With Christ, we don't have to wait for a new year to have a new beginning or to receive new mercies. Lamentations 3.23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. You see, right here, right now in this moment, I want to challenge you to bring your broken pieces and lay them at the feet of Jesus. Whether you are a believer and you've just failed to keep some commitments that you've made, or whether you have never put your faith in Jesus before, I want you to bring your broken pieces and your broken life and lay them at his feet to surrender to him. Because just like he proved to Peter, it does not matter how far you run away or how distant the gap is you think between you and him. All you have to do is look up, and He is there to restore you, to bring you back, and to make you whole. Because with Christ, we have a resolution, and we are made complete. So I want to challenge you and encourage you now, in this moment, right here, to bring your broken pieces to Jesus, so that He can put them back together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you so much for this opportunity that you have given us that we don't deserve to be in your presence. Thank you for laying your life down for us. Thank you for the sacrifices that you've made on the cross for us. Thank you for defeating and conquering both sin and death and allowing us to share in that victory by putting our faith in you and who you are and what you have done. Lord Jesus, for all those who are listening today, those who are here in person, who are watching online right now, and Lord, who are watching online no matter the time from now. Lord, I believe that you have brought each and every one of us here to this moment. You have put this message on my heart and in our ears for a reason. Lord, I just pray that you bless, that you move and stir each and every one of us. Lord, there is someone watching And listening right now who does not know Jesus as their Savior. I pray, Lord, that you will speak so clearly to them. That you will move in such a profound way that they can't deny it. Lord, I pray that for those who are listening right now, if that is them, that they will respond. And they will put their faith in Christ Jesus. 
If that's you and you are listening and throughout this message you have just felt like, you know what? I've tried to put the pieces back together, but they keep falling apart. They keep shattering. I'm here to tell you that right now, Jesus is ready to put them together, to make them complete, to make you complete. And if that's you and you want to put your faith in Christ for the very first time and surrender your life to him, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to understand that it is not the words that you speak or say, but it's that you believe them in your heart, that Jesus is who he says he is. And we're going to pray this together for those who may be coming to faith for the very first time. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent of my sins. I turn from my way, and I turn to you. I believe you lived the perfect life. I believe you paid for my sin on the cross. I believe you rose in victory over sin and death. Help me to follow you the rest of my life the best way I know how with heads bowed and eyes still closed. If that's you, and you prayed that prayer for the absolutely very first time, or for the first time that you ever truly meant it, when I count to three, I want you to respond. If you're in the house, just raise your hand. Or if you're watching online, I want you to, to use the hand emoji. If you're watching on Facebook, or leave us a comment on YouTube, wherever you happen to be watching or listening from, reach out to us. Find us on Facebook, send us a message, whatever you have to do. Let us know because we want to celebrate with you. But if you put your faith in Christ for the very first time, I just want you to raise your hand up and let us know on one, two, three. And for those you've put your faith in Christ before, but you've kept failing and failing and failing to keep the commitments you've made to him. In this moment, I want you to know that he is there. Just like with Peter, he's right there beside you. He still loves you. He still cares for you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter how much you feel you have broken, Jesus can always put it back together. Everybody can look up. We've been talking through this series and through this month about having a word for 2021 for our own lives. And we've been talking about how the word for the church is rooted. To be rooted in Christ, the only one that can sustain us, the only one that matters, the only one that can help us day in and day out. And so I hope you've been praying over your word and you've been asking the Lord to put on your heart the word, the verse, whatever it is that he would have you to live out this year. And what I want us to do as we worship in, together in this last song, you should have gotten a card over the last week or so for you to write your word down. I want you to do something that may be kind of bold for some people, but during this song, I want you to stand up and I want you to bring your word to the front. I just want you to lay it down up here and then you can go back to your seat. But I want you to know that we as a church are going to pray over these words. We're going to ask God to help us to live out these words, to make them evident 
in our lives to help us to draw more closer to him each and every day. So if you do have your card and you want to bring it up during this song, you can do that once it begins. Let me pray, and then we're going to worship. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you again for this day. Thank you for this opportunity that we get to be here. Thank you for allowing us to experience your presence. Lord, I pray during this time of worship, as people think back on their words that you have given them, that they will only draw us closer to you. Help us to surrender not only these words, but our whole life at your feet. To trust that you can do more with our lives than we ever could in a thousand or a million years. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing here in this church, here in our lives, and here in this service. May you move and do what only you can. Be with us as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Now stand and sing with us.
I just want to say thank you again so much for being here with us today. For those who ventured out into the cold and the rain, thank you for making that sacrifice to be here and worship together with us. Thank you so much. If you are joining us and listening or watching online, we are thankful for you as well. And we hope that one day, maybe next Sunday, you'll join us here in person as well because we have a seat waiting for you. No matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, even if it hasn't started yet, He's right there for you. He's waiting for you. And he can put the broken pieces back together for your life. No matter how shattered or small you think they are, he can always make it whole. Lord Jesus, thank you so much again for everyone who is here. Thank you for this incredible service. Thank you for every word that has been laid up here at your feet. Lord, we pray over them and we ask for you to guide, lead, and direct in everything that we do that we may bring glory to you. Thank you for those who are here, those who could not be. Lord, and we just pray that as we go forth, you will use us to be a light that points others to Christ, that we can bring glory to your name, and that we can show others the love that we have received from you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you again. Have a great rest of your Sunday, an awesome week, and we can't wait to see you back. God bless.